You know, I've been referring to uh, Pastor Chakor's wife simply as Pastor Chakor's wife, and, you know, that might not seem as appropriate with us, but um, in the Hmong culture, being that I'm younger than they are, it's not appropriate for me to address her by her actual name. And so, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure what her name is because I'm not supposed to address her by her name. I'm supposed to just call her Mrs. Yang. So I always, that's how I always have, have always approached her, was just call her Mrs. Yang. And so uh, uh, I hope we understand the, the reason why I just referred to her, to her as Pastor Chico's wife. But I ask that we continue to pray for them as they are going through some tough times here and also pray for their church. Uh, the DS called me earlier this week, uh, talked to me a little bit about some of the plans that we maybe uh, need to do going forward. But uh, as soon as the, the DS puts that together, then hopefully we can go out there and really help out their church and just really help provide the support that is needed for their church. And so today what I want to do is I'm going to take us and I'm going to have us focus on this Bible verse here. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 2. I'll pull this up here because I uh, I didn't bring my English Bible up here. I, brought, I actually brought my Hmong Bible up here for some reason. But <laughs> that's one of the things when you're preaching for multiple services. Um, but I'll pull it up here in my phone from the NIV version, and we will uh, look into that. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to verse 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, one of the the very Bible verses that changed the life of Martin Luther when he led the Reformation and Luther's own testimony was in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through verse 17. When Luther, living during his time, seeing how the churches were selling indulgences as a form of salvation, as a form of forgiveness, as a form of just raising funds. And Luther, the thing that woke him up to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the message of faith, to him it came from Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 17, and which it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles, and for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so to, to Luther, when he was looking at the culture of his church, how powerful his church was at that time, he realized that forgiveness, righteousness, salvation does not come from us buying it with money. It doesn't come from us buying it with money, buying these indulgences. But what it came from was that it comes from having faith in God alone. And it is in that that woke him up, that woke him up to start to start this, this reformation of the church. And of course, he never intended it to be, to, 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 for there to be separation. He just wanted the church at that time to understand that it is only by faith. It is only by faith that we are saved and not by something that we purchase, not by something that we buy with our money and things of that sort. Because he understood many of the people during that time, they were living in poverty. How can they ever, how can they ever achieve Salvation. How can they ever have salvation in their life? These people, they can't buy these indulgences. And so Luther, Luther, um, he, 
This Bible verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 17 is a very, very Bible verse that Luther said that when he read upon it, that it woke him up to, the, to, to understand what faith is. And Luther often talks about how many, how many times he would confess to God. And he realized that no matter how much he confessed to God, that he always has sin in him. And so he would go confess and come back home, and then he would realize that he needs to go back to confess again. And it was the process that he was doing over and over and over again, and it became such a burden to him that he realized that the only way, the only way for him to be saved was by faith, and that's it. It was by faith in Jesus Christ. And we all know about John Wesley's experience, his Aldersgate's experience, in which he talks about the warming of his heart in 1738. And he came to this, this, this experience by reading Luther's preface to the letter of Romans. And so we see how, 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 these, how the book of Romans and how these Bible verses, how they change the lives of many people, many Christians, many Christians before us. For me, the very Bible verse that changed my life, that I woke up from and I, I read, and the very Bible verse that changed my life, was here, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 2. It is the Bible verse that woke me up to, 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 to my faith. You know, before then, like I've told us before then, man, I, I would go to church. I would do all things at church. I would serve in the youth. I would serve, you know, I would serve as an elder. I would do all these things at church, but I never, never truly had faith in Jesus Christ. Like I was telling the Hmong congregation this morning, you know, back then we used to go, back then, you know, the, 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 Hmong, the Hmong community is very small, so we used to go around having concerts and singing songs and praising God and all that stuff. And, you know, we, we would say that, you know, we're here to praise God, but the reality of it was that we were not there to praise God, we're simply there to try to impress girls, you know. And so that, that, that's the whole point. But, you know, we, we would say the right things, but in our hearts, we knew that wasn't the right thing. And so it wasn't until, you know, I, I finally woke up when I read this Bible verse, and I finally woke up. I finally woke up that, you know what? You know what? I need to change myself. My mind needs to be renewed. And it is all because of God's mercy. It is all because of God's mercy that I have to realize how much he has loved me throughout my whole life from the time in which I was born all the way up to that point. I, I looked at my life, I, I looked back on my life, and I realized how much God has loved me. When I was born in a, ref, I was born in a refugee camp in, in Thailand, and when I was born in that refugee camp, my parents told me the first two years of my life, I was a very, very ill child. I was suffering all the time. I was going to die. And it wasn't until the church came to pray for me that I started to get better. And so from the beginning of my life, as I reflect upon that, even from the, the beginning of my life, it all had to do with God's mercy and his love that he gave me, that he gave me. And so because of that, the only thing that I can do in my life, the only rational thing, the only logical thing for me to do in my life was to offer myself up to God as a living sacrifice because of this wonderful love that he has given to me. You know, we've talked in the past about hearing God's voice. We've talked in the past about just knowing God's voice. Now the question I want us to ask today is how do we know this voice of God? How can we hear this voice of God? And the thing that I would like to tell us is that in order for us to hear the voice of God is that we need to renew our minds. 
our minds, just as this Bible verse here is teaching us here, that we need to renew our minds. Be transformed, it says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what does it mean? What does it mean to renew our mind? Well, Jesus says this in John chapter 3, verse 3, to Nicodemus, and he says that you must be born again. That the Christian experience is about being born again. Many times the reason why we cannot hear God's voice, the reason why it's so hard for us to discern his will is because we are churchgoers, but we have never been born again. You see, Jesus Christ did not say to Nicodemus that in order for you to see the kingdom of God, that you are to give a tithe to the church. Jesus never said to Nicodemus that in order for you to see the kingdom of God, that you are to come to church, you know, every other week. He never said that, right? He never said that in order for you to see the kingdom of God, that you need to hold a position in the church, be a chair of a committee in the church. He never said that. But what he said, what Jesus said, is that in order for you to see the kingdom of God, that you must be born again. You must be born again. Because without that new birth, without being reborn again, then we still have sin that's guiding us in our lives. Sin is still holding us hostage, still bonding us in our lives. It's not releasing us. And so our hearts, our hearts, the Bible tells us that our hearts is still that heart of stone that won't respond to the, to the message of God, that won't respond to God at all. All because of sin. So we need to be born again. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, Do not conform any longer. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this word transformed here is a passive word. It is a passive word in, implying that this is not something that we are doing for ourselves, but this is something that's being done for us from someone else. And in the context of the scripture, being transformed is something that God is doing to us. God is doing to us to transform us, to renew our minds. So that the person that we, that we were 30 years ago, the person that we were 40 years ago, we are no longer that same person, but every day of our lives that we're continually, that we're continually moving to become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be renewed. That's what it means to be transformed. And in order for us to do that, we must offer our lives. We must surrender ourselves over to God. And that's the reason why we sang that song to the, this morning, uh, saying that all to Jesus I surrender. You have to surrender everything to God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to verse, uh, verse 1 says this, that you are to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You are to offer your bodies as living sacrifice to God. In other words, God is not asking just for your car. God is not asking just for your time. God is not asking just for your house. He's not just asking for your knowledge. He's not just asking for your money. It is when we read these passages here from 2,000 years ago, it is as if the Holy Spirit foreknew exactly what was going to happen in our time. And he is rebuking us, saying that that's not what God is asking for, but what God wants is God wants you. God wants to have this relationship with you. God wants you personally. And so when you offer your bodies to God, that's what it means even while you were alive, while you were still well, while you're doing well, that you are to surrender everything over to him.
You know, many times, many times, many people, when we talk about the Christian faith, we don't care about God when we're doing well. And, and we, never, we never think about God until we're laying down on that hospital bed, knowing that, we've only had one, that we only have one day or two days left. And it is, it is only that time in which we start calling upon the name of God. But the Word of God is telling us here that, you know, while we're still well, while we're still living, while we're still living, we need to surrender ourselves, everything that we have, over to God. Surrender yourselves to Him, all to Jesus, it says. All to Jesus, I surrender. Your body, that means your mind, everything you think about. Your eyes, have you surrendered your eyes to Jesus Christ? The things that you watch with your eyes, does it bring glory to God? Your hands, are your hands, have your hands been surrendered over to Jesus Christ? The things that you do with your hands, does it bring glory to God? Your feet, your feet, have you surrendered your feet over to God? The places that you go, does it bring glory to God? You see, when God is calling us, when the scripture is calling us to offer our bodies over to him, that's what it's talking about, our eyes, our, our ears, our, our, the words that we speak. The hands, our hands, the things we do with our hands, the places that we go, everything must be surrendered over to him. It's not just, oh God, you know what, I'm going to stay home and I'm going to send money to the church once in a while and that's it. That's not what the message is about. That's not what the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is about, but it's about total surrender. Total surrender to God, saying to God the Father, I know I know for I have sinned and I come short of the glory of God. I want us to think about this. Many of us, we've been going to church for so long. Have we ever turned to God and said, God, I am a sinner. I am a sinner and I, and I have sinned against you. And I come short of your glory. How many times have we ever experienced that before in our own lives? Have we ever cried out to God, acknowledging that we are sinners? Many times, even in our culture, this is something that's very offensive. Some people don't even want to acknowledge that anymore. Some people don't even want to talk about sinning anymore. Some people don't want to talk about being sinners anymore. But the Word of God teaches us that in order for us to surrender ourselves over to Him, that as the Christians, we are to be someone who is poor in spirit, acknowledging how much we need God. We are someone who acknowledges before him that we are sinners. And whoever says that they have not sinned, that person calls God a liar. And so we must come before God. To, to surrender ourselves to him means that we must acknowledge that we are a sinner before him. Cry out to God. Ask God to open up the gates of heaven. Say, God, open up the gates of heaven. Pour your grace down to me, for I have nothing to be able to offer you. Just as we talked about earlier about Luther, no matter how much he confessed, he realized, he realized that he can never confess everything. And even, he, he, he even came to the realization that he has made an idolatry of the idea of confession. He has made that into an idolatry. You know, one of the things we often think about the Amish, and the Amish, they, they, they like to live in their own com commune and stuff like that, and, and they don't really, you know, uh, they don't like to use electricity and cars and things of that sort, right? They, they like to go and they like to ride their buggies around. They like to ride their buggies around. And there's a story about a pastor who met one of the, um, 
one of the young ladies who was, who was a, an Amish. And the pastor asked that young lady, the pastor says, are you guys holy? What you're doing is holy. And the young lady, she thought for a while, and then she said, no, there's no holiness in us. And the pastor said, why is that? Why is there no holiness in you? And then she said something that's very, very interesting. She says, because we have made an idolatry of holiness itself. Because we compete. We, we realize that the more we try to compete to become holy, uh, the, try, the more we try to be holy, we've, we've become, that's, that's, that becomes something that we're so proudful of. That has become our pride. And so no matter how hard we try to be holy, we, we realize, we realize that we're not. And that's the same attitude, that's the same thing. That's the same thing that Luther realized when he, he was confessing his sins over and over and over again. And he would just keep having to go back because once he confessed and he goes home and he realized, you know, I have so much sin. And he would never be able to confess all his sins. And so he realized that his salvation is in God's hand alone. It is in God's hand alone. It is in, the, in faith in God alone. So that's what we must realize is that as sinners that we depend on the grace and the mercy of God alone. That there is nothing we can do to ever deserve his grace. Because the more we try, the more we find ourselves sinning again. But it is only in his grace and his mercy that offers us forgiveness. That offers us salvation. And so in order for us to surrender ourselves over to him is that we must acknowledge that we are sinners falling short of the glory of God and that the penalty of sin is death. The penalty of sin is death. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. But then it goes on to give us the good news. And the good news says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, you see, what we have in sin is death. But once we receive the gift of God, what we have been promised is eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to repent from these sins, and we're to call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to be our Lord and to also be our Savior, to watch over our lives, to guide our lives, to be the Lord of our lives, and just to surrender everything to him. It says, if we claim we have not sinned, you see, First John chapter 1, verse 9 to verse 10, it says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. And so we have to confess our sin to God. We have to repent, turn away from sin. And when we turn away from sin, and when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are given this new birth. We are born, we, we are born again, just as Jesus Christ was referring to, uh, talking about with Nicodemus. And the Holy Spirit then dwells within us. The Holy Spirit then dwells within us. Galatians chapter 4, verse 5 to verse 7 says, Because you are his children, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, and the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave to sin, for you are now God's child. You are now God's child. God has made you also an ear. What a wonderful message it is for us when we realize that the Holy Spirit is with us. 
And many times we see, we see the word of God, we see the message of the gospel as total foolishness. And the Bible tells us the reason for that too. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says the person, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot consider them or cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit of God. And so when we, are, when we surrender ourselves over to God, it is only when we surrender ourselves over to God, give him our life, surrender everything, give him our bodies as the living sacrifices, and acknowledge before him that we are sinners, and accepting him as the Lord and our Savior, and becoming a new crea- creation, and having the Holy Spirit dwell in us. It is only in that instance in which we will be able to understand the things of God. Without that new birth experience, without being born again, we will never understand what the message of Jesus Christ. And, and what, it's tell, what it's telling us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 is this. That if you, if you have not yet been born again, the things of God is total foolishness. It is total foolishness to you. I know because I have been there. I have been there. Like I said earlier, all these times I, I used to go serve God before I actually had faith in God. I did all these things for God, but in my heart I, I, I saw everything about God as total foolishness. I saw religion as something that was being used to control the people. I saw this thing of this idea of God, this idea of God as something that was so, so false. Even though I was in the church, even though I, was, I grew up in the church, because I never had, because at that time I did not have faith in God. And it took, it took a supernatural experience. And this is, what the, this is what the new birth is about. It is a supernatural experience with God. In which everything just changes in your heart. Everything, your mind is renewed, just like the Bible verse says. Your mind is renewed. And your heart is transformed. That you begin to see the things that were total foolishness to you before has now become the most beautiful thing. It has now become the most beautiful thing that you have ever read. It has become the most beautiful thing that you have ever seen. The beauty of God is simply indescribable. And I, you know, every single day of my life, you know, I, I just wish. I just wish that many of my friends who, who, are, who are yet to be Christians, many of my, my cousins, my families who are yet to be Christians, every single day of my life, I just wish and I just continue to pray that they will come to re- the realization to see how beautiful this God truly, truly is. Because he is simply, he's simply indescribable. There is nothing like God. There is nothing like God. And, when, and then when I, when I think about myself, and a lot of times, you know, being, being an Asian, being Hmong, and, uh, you know, coming from, from the background in which, coming from that background in which um, your whole ethnicity was supposed to be um, um, wiped out by, by your own government. Coming from that, that uh, background, a lot of times we struggle with self, our own self-identity. We struggle with our own self-confidence. Right, because back in the war, you know, the, the Laotian, the, the Pathet Lao communist government, they actually, you know, they wanted to wipe us out. They wanted to get rid of the whole Hmong ethnicity, 
And coming from that background, so you struggle with that. You struggle with that idea of, of self-confidence. You struggle with that idea, with that, with that idea of who you are. What is your identity? Throughout our history, 5,000 years of Hmong history, totally lost because of wars after wars. And it took us a while just to be able to rediscover our, our, our own history. And so without having that history, without that 5,000 years of history from China all the way into Laos, Vietnam, and, and into Indochina, a lot of times we struggle with that idea. What is our identity? Who are we? And so as we struggle with that, the, things, the thing that we found our identity in was in Jesus Christ, was in Christianity. Because we understood that it is that no matter who we are, no matter who we are, the Christ, the God of all creation, he came down and he died for us. And even though many times we don't see ourselves to be important, we don't see ourselves to be worthy, and yet when we read this gospel of the message of Jesus Christ, we realize that we're so valuable to him that he would die for us. It gives us an identity gives us something to live for. And I hope you will find your identity also in Jesus Christ because there's nothing as beautiful as being in the grace of God. And so today for us to hear the, word, the voice of God, let us, let us move to renew our mind, to renew our mind to be born again, to surrender everything over to God. Your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, every single thing, surrender it over to God. I find myself that when I surrender everything over to God, that God has blessed me so much. You know, in the past, when I used to serve God, you know, at first I used, to, I used to prioritize everything around my work schedule. But after a while, after I came into faith, I decided that, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore, but I'm going to pr- prioritize my work schedule around my faith, around the things that I do for God, around the things that I serve God with. And a lot of people told me, Chang, if you do that, you're never going to get promoted. If you do that, you're never going to, 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 ha- to have a good career. You're never going to be able to have a good job. But you know what I found out? I found out that once I prioritized everything around God, that God blessed me with so much. I have received more blessings since, since I came to faith in God than before then. Before then, I, I, lived, I lived, my wife and I, we, we lived in poverty we lived in poverty. Like I said, when we had our first child, we didn't even have the money to go buy her a car seat to bring her home from the hospital. And so we had to sell her, we had to sell her gold necklace, uh, her gold chain, uh, bracelet, her gold bracelet. Or was it a necklace? Maybe it was a necklace. I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> but we had to sell her, you know, her, her gold necklace, the gift that her mom gave her, right, in order for us to go out to just to buy a car seat to bring our child home. But since the time that we've turned our life over to God, he's blessed us with so much. He's blessed us with so much that we don't even need to think about money anymore. We don't need to worry about things, our bills anymore. Because God has blessed us. We've just prioritized our life around God. And, and came to a point in time which in my life I just said, you know what, God? I'm going to do everything around you. And everything else, everything else, all the schedule, with all the other parts of my life will revolve around you. You will be the center of my life. And God has blessed my wife and I so much. And I, I wish every single day, I wish every single day, like I said, that you know, many of my friends and many of my families, that they would experience the grace and the, the, the beauty of God's amazing love.
And so I pray that today as, as Christians, as, as a church, that we are a church that are willing to renew our minds. We're a church that's re- willing to surrender ourselves over to God, give ourselves to God, and let him be the center of our life. Let him be the one. Let him be the king that sits on our throne. Let us pray. Father, we bow our heads before you, acknowledging before you that we are sinners and we fall short of your glory. And yet, you love us so much, and through your grace, you have provided us a way to be restored back to you into a relationship with you. And you call us to be yours and that you are ours and that we are forever going to be in this relationship and we are forever going to be walking with you as you walk also with us, Father. Father, we ask that our church will be a church that is transformed continually by your grace and that you will continue to renew our mind and make us to become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we lift everyone up to you as we surrender our lives to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.